welcome back to a new episode of Bitch Breathe. I am your host, Ricardia. Today, I'm going to talk about a subject that I don't awfully enjoy, which is a little bit of pain. <laughs> so I'm not particularly fond of pain, especially because as women, I think we can take a whole lot of it. And I don't just mean childbirth, <laughs> but I do mean that also. And I think that we have the idea sometimes that as women, we are supposed to, we are expected to handle a certain kind of pain. So speaking of childbirth, let me be very honest. I was the first one to call for an epidural when those first couple of contractions came in. Actually, let me correct that. My then husband was the first to call for an epidural because apparently he was in a lot of pain too. So I'm not fond of this whole school of thought of austerity, I guess. I was raised You've heard me say this in many other episodes before. I was raised in a Christian household. So the whole idea of austerity, uh, whether it's religious austerity, emotional, economic austerity is huge in religion. I'm going to go ahead and say in many religious traditions. So at 12, I decided I wasn't going to have any more of this really bad God who really is very penalizing for a lot of things and uh, very austere. So it's something that I have actually made a point to shy away from for many, many years in my life, because I don't believe in it. And I don't think that that is what our true nature is, or even our purpose in this life. That said, I think in the age of social media, we've sort of moved a little bit more into the other extreme, which is instant gratification. In this case, I am a huge fan. <laughs> I think it's great that when I order a coffee, the perfect coffee, that it happens within a very little amount of time. I am also a huge fan of answering my own questions really quickly. I'm a very curious person. I love to learn. So of course, social media, internet is great for people like me. And on top of everything else, I'm huge on impatience. I'm not the most patient person. In fact, I can get a little bit unkind sometimes when things don't happen quickly enough. So having said all these things, I will talk about staying with the discomfort. Those of you who are practitioners of yoga or other, again, spiritual and or slower kinds of a body practice, there is a lot of talk around staying with the discomfort. And for a long time, when a yoga teacher said this in a class, not only did I not quite get what that meant, I also thought that it seemed very counterintuitive because I didn't want to feel pain anymore. I think any of us who have reached a certain age, maybe we don't even need to reach a certain age, will have experienced quite a bit of discomfort in our childhoods, adolescence, relationships, jobs, the neighborhood deli, whatever it is, right? So as a species, we spend a lot of time intuitively or instinctively maybe shying away from discomfort. We don't like it all that much. And that originally is a good instinct. If I have a bad feeling of discomfort because I'm sitting on a cactus, you know, way back in the cave age, that's a good thing because I should get up and find a more comfortable place to sit because I'm hurting myself. So I'm making that distinction very clearly. I'm not talking about staying with pain because I think that's a very different concept. And there might be some benefits to it, but that's not what I'm looking for today. I want to talk about staying with discomfort, 
which I think is something like a stage before pain comes, but it could contain a certain amount of pain. And I'll get back to that later. Staying with the discomfort in yoga means, let's say I'm taking a position. For me, it was always pigeon pose. Any of you who practice yoga know what this is. This is a hip opener. It's hugely uncomfortable for me because I cannot open my hips. <laughs> I just can't do it. It's just very, very uncomfortable for me. And so what you do in yoga is you put all sorts of little props and little things in place so that you can come into the asana, as the pose is also called, in a way that challenges you a little bit, but that doesn't mean direct especially stabbing electric kind of pain. But you stay with the discomfort and you wait, especially in yin yoga. Any of you guys interested in that, that one's a super, super great practice for doing this. So you stay there, you notice, oh, this is a little bit uncomfortable, but you remain in place for a moment longer than you think you can. Again, I'm not talking physical pain. I'm talking that hurdle in our minds that says, I want to get out of here. And that is the concept in yoga. And that's what I would love to sort of translate for us into our life today. And why am I interested in discomfort? Especially at this time when I think there's nobody, at least I'm not meeting anybody who's hugely comfortable with anything that is going on during this pandemic. I'll get back to that as well. But why I've noticed it lately is, of course, a very personal experience. And that is, I had always dated certain kind of men, sometimes women, but usually men. And I wanted to break that pattern open. I had had enough pain, actually, in this particular context. And I wanted no more of it. No more. Please, no more pain, especially the self-inflicted kind where I'm open-eyed walking into a catastrophe, but I do it anyway, because the guy has a nice guitar. <laughs> And so what I've noticed now in this new relationship, there are often stages that are unfamiliar to me. There are often behaviors that feel hugely uncomfortable. And let me give you an example. A while back, this was at the beginning, I noticed that this new bow doesn't bombard me with attention, time, messages, presence, offers, promises, whatever it is that happens in that beautiful honeymoon phase at the beginning if indeed we want to call it beautiful, but that's a different episode. None of this was forthcoming. In fact, the messages were very economical in words, uh, presence, not really, maybe the occasional little postcard or something that he would have for me or a little note or something, but it was very sparse compared to what I was used to, right? And if you want to go back to some of my old episodes, you'll know what I mean, because I'm fairly experienced with <laughs> narcissistic relationships. So for me to stay in this one now where there's not a lot of energy going my way was hugely uncomfortable and painful. And I kept wanting to get out of this really quickly. But I also really even more wanted to change up how I had operated thus far. So luckily, I had a really good friend. She's one of my best friends. And I said to her, dude, I think I'm going to leave. I'm going to have to get out of this relationship. There's no energy coming my way. I don't understand why. I think he likes me because he does write. And every night he sends me a little good night message. And he's very consistent in staying in touch. But he doesn't, you know, seek me out an awful lot. And I don't know what to do with this. You know, I'm used to guys just like, you know, basically 
putting the earth at my feet and saying, this is yours, babe. Sort of getting that whole spoiled feeling at the beginning. And she says to me, what are you doing? Why do you have to have all these external manifestations of apparent love when clearly the guy's being consistent? He is thinking of ways how you guys can spend time together. He is respectful when you do have a bit of a tiff. He's doing all the things that everybody's saying is a healthy relationship. Why are you fighting this so much? Her strictness and insistence on my staying put was exactly what I needed to hear in this particular context. I wasn't in so much pain a little bit. It was more, this is very uncomfortable. This doesn't feel familiar. This isn't the kind of familiar suffering that I know. And her advice stuck. And I kept monitoring myself around this person and us when we are together. And I noticed she was right. There was a lot of, I want to call it a very quiet love. I started to realize this is not comfortable, but it seems healthy. It seems loving in some way. And I couldn't put my finger on it. Let's face it, sometimes I still can't. But I started to realize that if I just stay with this discomfort right here, I think there's a learning. And there has been. I have been right. She has been right, essentially, is that this is a very reliable person, much more reserved in the emotional department than I'm used to, but much more consistent and not as narcissistic as what I'm used to. And so that's what I want to talk about today, this whole idea of staying put, even though it's a little weird or crazy or just, yeah, a little bit painful. Another reason why I think discomfort is a stage, and keep in mind it is temporary, why I think discomfort is a good thing. Because if we don't show willingness in our lives to be uncomfortable, we settle too easily. We don't bring up the kinds of conversations that need to happen in our job, in our relationships, and we settle for life phases and situations that are now not just uncomfortable maybe, but they're downright wrong for us. They're not serving us. So sometimes when we say, I don't want to bring up this topic or I don't want to say anything at this time because this and this is going on, we're actually sort of weighing one uncomfortable feeling against another, right? Like we don't want to bring the subject up. So we'd rather stay in this discomfort of the other person not knowing that we're suffering or that we are not happy with something that is going on. And we weigh that against the other discomfort, which is in our perception, opening a can of worms and now maybe going for full force conflict or a place that we don't know and that we dread, which could be separation, the insight that we need a new job, maybe we've been steering our children wrong in some way, and now we have to switch to that other direction. Hugely uncomfortable, right? But we know it's the right thing to do. So staying in a place of discomfort often means that we have to weigh what we know against what we don't. This goes especially in a situation when it comes to having to speak up. Now, there are situations where we find this terribly easy, but there could be others where we don't. And I live in a country, obviously Germany, Berlin, where speaking up historically was really, really dangerous. 
And there's some incredible historical figures who did so anyway during the Second World War or even before in the road leading up to that here. There's uh, one particular woman that I've always admired since I was a child growing up here. Her name is Sophie Scholl. And she had this band of or group of people that would disseminate flyers that spoke up against the Third Reich and against Adolf Hitler. And from what I understand, she could have easily just not done that. She could have just marched with everybody else. She was a very young woman, and she didn't. She spoke up. That was such, that must have been such huge discomfort that I clearly don't know if I had had that kind of courage to do so. But that's exactly it. Staying with the discomfort of not knowing what's going to happen next is a hugely courageous act. And so if we feel disconcerted or worried about being in a place of discomfort, maybe it can help us to know that we, by doing so, could sometimes, it doesn't have to be this kind of level, but we will be on the right side of history doesn't have to be this global level. It can be in our own personal history, in somebody else's history, but speaking up, going there into that point of discomfort could very well make us a bit of a hero. And certainly the person who took it upon themselves to show courage, which is awfully hard to do these days with all the polarizing opinions and and heat that we get when people don't agree with us and the possibilities they have of showing us that online. Another result of being in this situation is it's going to hopefully lead to a healthier life. And what do I mean by that? Because sometimes being in an area of discomfort can be very stressful. So that's not what I mean in this particular case. I mean that it's sometimes uncomfortable to change habits. So starting to eat healthier, going to bed earlier, maybe not Netflix binging quite as much. These are all things that are terribly hard to do sometimes. But in that moment, in that window of discomfort, when we've managed to overcome a habit, even if it was just for one night, people, is an incredible feat. And so to keep seeking out these areas, starting small, let's say with that Netflix series, and seeking out the discomfort and hanging out there for a while. Oh, this is boring. Oh, I really could be watching a nice show right now. Actually, I really do want that chocolate. Please go ahead, especially women, menstruating people. If it's that time of the month for you, you have my absolute blessing to go ahead and binge. But generally speaking, if we're not willing to be in an area of discomfort, then it will be very difficult for us to break habits. One area for me that is really hard to be uncomfortable in and to not fight and, and throw back something right away is when I'm being criticized. And I have the great fortune or disfortune or lack of fortune, I think that's what it is, to have very direct friends sometimes. And that includes the bow, actually. So they're not so afraid of criticizing me. They do it in loving ways, and sometimes a rather direct approach is also there. So for me to not immediately jump to my own defense, explain why I did what I did, or just counteract with some insult is very difficult. 
But I'm trying to teach myself right now. I'm not hugely successful at this time to people. But I'm trying to teach myself to not react right away, to not jump to my own defense and to sit in that stew of, oh, I feel uncomfortable. I feel a little bit of shame here. I feel I've been, been reduced to something that is small and not really cool, let alone prestigious or sexy, whatever it is, and to sort of sit there and ask myself, is this true, what this person is saying? And it very often is. So when we're being criticized, maybe to hold on, even if it's just for a couple of seconds, to that area of, well, this is uncomfortable. How am I feeling right now? What's my breathing like? Where is this shame or uncomfortable feeling manifesting in my body? And can I find a way to stay here just for a moment. I'm not saying not to defend yourself, especially if the criticism was not justified, but to give yourself the opportunity of questioning, of questioning whether it was true. And so if it was, to welcome in this idea that this is for my own personal growth. And let's face it, I don't always feel like personally growing every day. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, fuck it. I can't be bothered. But usually there is a window where we can be open to just sit in it for a moment, just stew in it, if you will. There's also a moment where it's important to know which kind of discomfort and which level of discomfort can I handle, especially at this time with the background of the pandemic and everything that is going on. This might not be the time for extra big challenges, right? Let's face it, just on a daily level, it's hard to live right now whether there are vaccinations available or not, whether your kids are able to go to school or not, whatever it is. I don't know anybody, and I have a lot of friends worldwide, who isn't struggling mentally, energetically, and physically. So it's important for us to weigh what will contribute more to our mental health. And I think that's a very important distinction that I want to offer for all of us at the end of this episode, is to know when is my mental health compromised in a way that it strongly interferes with my being able to be happy and living a happy and healthy life. So knowing which discomfort it is that currently represents the kind of strength that I actually have at this point is super, super crucial. Lastly, I want to say something about this with the background of the pandemic. For me, it's taught me so much. And I'm not going to be like huge on the I'm so grateful for this pandemic thing, because I think that's just that that's a little bit too absurd for me at this point, especially with everybody globally still doing so horribly in many ways. But what it has taught me is to find a little bit more courage to stay in a place of not knowing what comes next. And that's very difficult for me. I'm a bit of an A-type personality, all yoga aside, which has helped hugely and meditation. But I don't like not knowing what comes next. I love it in terms of like work. I don't like to be bored. I get bored easily. Or maybe you don't necessarily know what project is lined up next. That's not the kind of not knowing I mean. I mean the kind of not knowing that's a little more long-term. What is going to happen? What is our life going to look like if we can indeed at some point, hopefully soon, speak about a post-pandemic era? Or what I heard the other day, the pandemic hangover. Knowing that we're still in a phase of not knowing, to understand that this could maybe have a bit of a positive side and that we don't 
ask ourselves to plan too far ahead, and that we instead do what Eckhart Tolle has been telling us for decades now is to stay in the here and now. That's hugely uncomfortable. That's a major area of discomfort. But it's also been an area of incredible growth. And me, who is not very patient, has had to practice a little more patience and feel my way through a kind of life that on a global scale feels a little bit scary. And I think being uncomfortable, staying in an area of discomfort is always a little scary. And if you have any kind of anxiety, by the way, please refer to my very first episode where I talked about it. So balancing this ability to stay uncomfortable and still be a little anxious, and at the same time knowing what kind of reward could be at the other side of this, that is just huge. So hoping that we all find a little bit of a courageous moment to be uncomfortable now and then. Here's from my heart to yours. I hope you're well. I hope you're safe. Sending love.